0: Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Uh, Melinda and I are having a chat today about different ways of investing uh, into property. Oh,
0: you're
1: not going to do a weather update today? No. Well, look, okay, I will. Uh, the normal weather update, a little <laughs> couple of showers overnight, but it's still a lovely day outside. <laughs> I've just been out to a site of a new build actually for a client and um, it was actually quite warm out there. So winter in its early 20s, how about that?
0: (laughs) Well, look, thanks for joining us again, everybody. Um, As Scott said, we're going to be talking about some of the methods um, that you can uh, use to invest in property throughout Brisbane that are a bit more sophisticated. Now, obviously, as a property investor, there's various ways that you can, you know, build wealth for the future through property. And as we all know, purchasing a property, renting it out over the long term and generating income from it through rent that you receive, um, that's basically you know, the most common way of investing in property. And it does rely on selecting the right location and making sure that um, you get good, strong growth as well as uh, good, strong rental yields all the way through to the future. But of course, property is an asset class where Um, it is very easy to manipulate the value of the house itself or the building that sits on the site. You cannot do that with other asset classes, which makes property quite unique. So that's what we're going to explore today. And specifically, um, some of the types of uh, locations or rather some of the types of strategies that investors do target when they are looking for more sophisticated strategies.
1: So I guess a couple of things just to be aware of, and I'll touch on these as we go. But um, when you look at, say, renovations, for example, and whether it's renovations, knockdown builds, larger developments, whatever it may be, you, you need to obviously know what the the end product is going to look like. So you need to have that vision and you need to understand how that's going to work. Obviously, we've come from a background of development and building. It makes it a little bit easier because we've, we've done it day in, day out, uh, still doing it now with clients. So it's easier for us to understand what that vision is going to be and what things can look like. Uh, make sure you match what you're doing for the location. Your selections, for example, you don't want to put high-end finishes in an area that's just investment grade. So you need to match and have the plan for what that's going to be and also making sure when we get into a little bit further onto other developments of of services, underground services, little things like that um, to make sure that, the, um, that is, it's actually something you can do without spending a lot of money.
0: And I think that leads to the point that you know when we're looking at adding value to property and and manipulating its value or manufacturing equity, it comes down to ensuring that you're selecting the right location to do this in. So, for example, a renovation strategy simply won't work everywhere throughout Greater Brisbane. Uh, that's because the cost of building remain consistent, the cost of labor remain consistent regardless of the location that you're doing that build. So whilst you can uh, change the amount that you spend based on the selections, you really are going to struggle to change the amount of the cost of labor or the, the building material cost. So you've got to select location based on the price disparity between an entry-level home and a high-end home. And you're wanting to make sure that for every dollar you put into the development or for every dollar you put into the renovation, you're going to get um, a greater return. The last thing you want is to go into a project only to get a dollar-on-dollar return on that project. You want to be able to add value and understanding the area is one very sure way to do this. Now. The other thing that you definitely need to keep in mind is that for every property investor, the timing for when you do that renovation or when you do that manufacturing of equity will depend on your personal circumstances. When you spend money on a property, especially from an investment perspective, uh, what you'll generally find, not only will you add value to that property, but you will also increase the rental income that you generate from that property. Now, depending on your personal uh, tax situation, that could potentially put you into a situation where you're generating more income and causing a larger tax problem. So it's really important to understand the end game. If you do intend to you know, do the development or the knockdown rebuild or the renovation to add value, you've also got to consider the rental position at the end if you do intend to hold that property. And then get an understanding of during what phase of your property investment journey, is it best to do these works? Because for many investors, um, the accumulation phase may not be the best phase for them. It may actually be better to um, do these works during the consolidation phase or during the phase where you're converting that portfolio into an income-producing portfolio. So obviously, investment strategy comes into play. We're not going to talk about that today, but it's just something to highlight um, as being something to consider before you just set out on a project,
1: yeah. So a couple of examples, I guess, on that is we've had some different clients in different situations where, you know, one for example has a plan to hold a property for two to three years. Um, so when we went in and had a look at the property for that client who's going to rent it out, obviously, um, we we didn't go and look to spend a lot of money because you'll you don't want to spend all that money and then undo that when you come in and either do a massive renovation or a knockdown and a rebuild. You want to make sure you just spend enough that's going to get you a good rental return on it. Another one, a lot slightly longer term, we went with a different idea. We wanted to add a little bit more to it. We then got the property manager to have a look at it, run their IRA, give us an idea of what they think the appraisal would be and give us an update after we've done the work. That then gives the client something to look at to see what the increase of the rent would be with that amount of money. So your return on your investment, we can actually work that out a little bit closer for them.
0: I think it's actually important um, off the back of that to um, understand the exit strategy before you start the project. That's probably the most important step. And, And it's like any property that you add to your portfolio. It's so important to understand what is the purpose of that asset within the portfolio and what is the exit strategy for that particular asset. And as Scott was saying, for some people, if the exit strategy is to buy a property, knock it down in three years time, and then rebuild a brand new property in its place um, to hold long term, then it's really important to um, match any improvement works at the time of purchase to the overall time frame that you intend for that property to exist in place. So um, exit strategies are really important. If you don't know why you're buying a property and what you intend to do with it in the future, I'd be reevaluating that up front.
1: Yeah, the other thing um, just to touch on that you mentioned about um, construction costs and build costs are the same suburb to suburb. Just be wary at the moment with the current building conditions. Um, Prices are moving. So whatever you're doing, whether it's a a project you've done in the past, don't rely on those numbers. Um, And even if it's one you're doing now and you're looking at doing another one in the future, don't just rely on those numbers. Make sure you've got a bit of a contingency in place. Um, Construction costs are moving and have been going up um, considerably lately, um, especially up here in Brisbane. So just make sure you're working closely with either a builder or someone that knows inside what that sort of costs are involved uh, and make sure you obviously just keep your heads up on that one as well.
0: And off the back of that, I know that, you know, some clients that we work with, um, they'll often look at a floor plan of a property and reconfigure the design of the property based on the floor plan alone. And, you know, we had this just last week with a client who's looking to purchase a property but add some value at the time of purchase and extend the living area. Um, And they sent some proposed floor plan options to us. But obviously it's not just about being able to extend a floor plan, it's understanding how to be able to do that in a cost-effective way. And that involves not just looking at what's already there but looking above, looking up at the roof lines to get an understanding of whether the existing roof line is easy or hard to tap into to, you know, Extend out on that property, and that's something that Scott obviously looks at for all of our clients.
1: Yeah, so so I guess if if we're touching on different areas of this as we talk about sophisticated investment strategies, I guess that really leads us into the first one, which is the renovation side of it. Look, you can go refurbishment; I'd call it that, which is smaller items, not as big, not as not probably not structural, um, and then you go up to that renovation side of it. So. You do need to make sure you are aware, and as Melinda just mentioned about that one, we we had it. We helped a client actually. Oh, I don't know what it was now twelve months, a bit longer. Um, purchased a property, looked at the floor plan, said, "Look, I want to move this out here, and I want to basically create like an L shape." Um, as soon as they had a look at it, I just said, "Yeah, no, you haven't had a look up. You haven't had a look at what the roof line does." So we just reconfigured that around a bit. The extension was, you know, I extend the kitchen out a bit of a. I think it was a main bedroom, en suite, walk-in road, bedroom extension with a deck, continued that roof line, which made it more cost-effective. And, you know, that, that client created a massive amount of equity from what they bought to what they did um, and it was an investment property, I believe.
0: <laughs> well, the intent was to purchase it as an investment property. The client had the property revalued upon completion but decided that um, they'd fallen in love with the property throughout the um, structural renovation process and they decided to move into that property. So that exit strategy changed um, and that sometimes happens. You do need to be you know, adaptable to change. Now, obviously, if you're going to be moving, moving into it, um, it becomes a tax effective strategy as well. Because if you are using that property as your principal place of residence, um, and you reside there for more than 12 months, um, in the event you do sell in the future, it is tax free equity building. So you know, that becomes a more tax effective strategy when you do go to sell.
1: So I, I guess the client bought in a really good location and did a really good renovation.
0: Yeah, that's because, right. Because they
1: live there. <laughs> so <clears throat> the other thing I guess to be aware of when you're talking renovations is, is just having that Um, understanding of how properties are built. As I mentioned about the roof lines, things like that. Up here in Brisbane, as you get closer to the CBD, you get a lot of what we call tin and timber. So the Queenslanders, a lot of opportunity for them to do open living inside. So you can remove walls. Again, you just need to be aware of what's above uh, where that load is so that if you do get up in there and a lot of hand pitched roofs, they're not the truss roofs. Um, and you can actually make adjustments to them if there's no load on those walls. Uh, you can put beams in to modify it slightly, open them up, create open living. It's, it's fantastic layout. Some of the Queenslanders, they, they open them up. Um, so there's opportunity in all those types of things. Again, you just need to work closely with a builder or someone that knows what they're talking about to understand those things. The only thing with the renovation side of it, unless it's with the Queenslanders, I suppose as well, is just be aware of the unknown. You know you can you can open up walls and find things that you just don't know are there and uh, if you if you don't do your homework and it sometimes you can't actually notice it but again you' just got to be aware of that unknown allow that contingency contingency I should say for the for little blowouts and things like that as well.
0: And I think that, you know, whilst we're talking about renovations, it's a really good thing to, to bring up because we speak to a lot of property investors. And one of the things that a lot of people want up front is a property that's completely rent ready from the time of purchase. And that suits a lot of investors and a certainly, you know, the investment strategy that's right for you will depend on your risk appetite as well. Uh, but we will always remind investors that, you know, when you're buying someone else's renovation, when you're buying a property that's already been improved, you may still have some tax depreciation benefits by the way of Capital Works depreciation benefits but you will lose the benefits of any fixtures and fittings that have been added to that property so they it becomes ineffective from a tax perspective to buy someone else's renovation if you do intend to hold the property as an investor now alternatively when you're buying something that structurally is is sound and you're doing some cosmetic changes and you're actually you know replacing carpets and window coverings and you know minor works you get the benefit as the owner of that property as an investor to depreciate the value of those fixtures and fittings. So you only now get the benefit when you're adding those things yourself, not if you're purchasing that property already done. That's in relation to the fixtures and fittings. So that's also something that investors need to keep in mind. Investment strategy comes down to aligning what you're doing with the property and the property decisions and aligning that with the tax strategy, um, which comes back to your taxable income and the, the, the tax bracket that you're paying And it also comes down to making sure that the finance strategy is aligned as well. And it's something I always talk about in the strategy sessions with our clients. How do we maximise the investment strategy to ensure that it aligns with your tax strategy and your finance strategy so that you're getting the benefit of the investment without compromising your tax position further?
1: I guess another thing to to think about, and these are all just things that we think about and we talk about with clients as well, is, is just that planning stage. So whether it's a, a renovation, for example, or when we move it, which is gonna lead us into the next part we'll talk about, um, which is knocking down a house and building brand new, is the planning time. Now, these this is the time when you're actually going to hold the property and you don't get income on it. So if you can keep that, that income coming and the rent coming in as long as possible until you pull the trigger and then you don't have a tenant in that property, you need to make sure you allow for that holding time um, when you're not getting that income as well.
0: Yeah, very good point. Um, and I think that, you know, during that planning phase, which, you know, if you keep a tenant in that property whilst you are um, putting all of the plans in place, the more time you spend in the planning phase and the more um, accurate the planning documents are. The less headaches, the fewer headaches that you will have during the construction period. Now, you know, let me give you an example. I know there's a lot of people that skimp on the cost of getting detailed plans drawn up up front, um, but that can actually cost you more in time and in variations, uh, which will attract a builder's margin during the renovation itself. Alternatively, if you spend a little bit more money up front getting very detailed drawings, the builder will actually build what is drawn. So if the drawings are not detailed, the builder may not quote the detail that you're expecting and then that can cause some friction and it can cause some breakdown in relationships and it will certainly cause some variations to be um, raised during that construction. And that is a frustration for everyone involved. So the more detailed you can be in that planning phase, um, the better the outcome will be long-term.
1: Yeah, I guess that comes from our building background. Um, and what we've seen as a builder, um, and running our own building construction company, you don't want to rush into the start, you don't want to skimp on that design, as Melinda said, builders, they will only quote because they're trying to win a job. (laughs) They'll only quote what's actually on the plans and what can be seen. Um, And to be can be completely honest, from a builder side of it, uh, I used to hate variations. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't we don't like them as much as the client doesn't like them. So, Spend a bit more time, do that design, cross-check, triple-check, make sure everything's right. Just ask the question again and again until you're really comfortable to know that everything's been included. Um, And there's, you know, don't rush into things. Do it right.
0: So that's probably the first sophisticated investment strategy. It's understanding that, you know, adding value through renovations can, you know, really fast track that equity build period within your portfolio, but it can also have an impact on your rental return and your rental yield. So understanding when the right time to do it is also, you know, something that you need to consider. Let's move into, you know, the next step, I guess you could say, in um, sophisticated investing. So we've moved on from renovations, and then we're looking at knock down rebuilds. It's a bit of a flavor in Brisbane at the moment. It is.
1: It is. A lot of people, it's very, um, yeah, it's very common now, I guess. A lot more people looking at that type of idea of doing that work. Um, I guess the first thing is make sure you can knock it down. Yeah. That's probably the biggest tip to start with.
0: Yeah. I think that Brisbane, you know, because we have a lot of character protected homes, we do have traditional building character overlays. You cannot knock down a home that was Built prior to 1946, that is also covered in a heritage or a pre a character traditional building character overlay. So you do need to understand what you can and cannot do with a property that sits on a site. Um, I know sometimes when you can see in aerial photography from 1946 that there is a property on that site. But you might get an understanding that the property that sits there today is is not the same property. You might even need to get a heritage architect involved in order to be able to get approval to remove that property. So that can cause enormous costs and enormous headaches. So site selection is critical. But knowing Brisbane... um, Typically, anything built prior to 1946 will be in the inner city locations. Uh, they are pre-war homes. They were built closer to the CBD. Um, after 1946, we have what we call post-war homes. They're either uh, board and tin-type uh, properties or weatherboard tin-type properties. They are in a lot of our middle ring suburbs. And then you don't typically see a lot of the brick and tile Properties until you move a little bit further out. Now, it is a bit suburb specific. We've definitely got some suburbs that uh, carried a lot of those pre war shacks, and we've got other suburbs that might have been more weatherboard um, type homes. But we definitely know which areas uh, you can target for a location where you know you can knock that property over. But it's not just about targeting a location that's got a post war home, it's also about targeting a location where you know when you buy that post war home and knock it over. That you've got the price disparity between what you've paid and what the end value of that property will be worth in order to justify that as a strategy that will work.
1: Yeah, again, doing that homework beforehand, and this is something we do a lot with our clients and and help people with is checking those overlays, as you've mentioned, um, looking for your services, as I talked about earlier, making making sure there's no sewer, stormwater, um, everything's there for that site all of those little things add up and those costs can actually keep rolling and rolling and snowballing. And you don't want that type of blowout to come through the job. Um, that can really affect your bottom dollar. So make sure the service is there, make sure it's a good site to work on. Even little things from a from a builder side of it, if it's a really steep sloping block, it can cost you more in construction because manually you've got to get things on and off the site, your scaffold cost, all of those things will have an impact on the cost.
0: And of course retaining walls just to retain the yeah. land. I think that the big thing that um, you're referring to there is risk. Now, these strategies are higher risk strategies. They are for investors that are happy to take higher risks. um, But the rewards, if you get it right, are also higher. So, you know, it's not just a set and forget investment, a buy and hold strategy. It's being able to manipulate the value of the asset by renovation or buy redevelopment in some way. And that's what we're referring to here. And for some people, it's a fantastic way to accelerate the growth of their portfolio if they've got the capacity to do so. And I think the other thing to keep in mind is that you need to investigate your financial capacity to complete a project like this, because there are definitely some costs that you can use borrowed funds for. However, other costs throughout the process may need to be covered uh, by cash. So you need to make sure you understand the financial strategy that's going to apply to the investment strategy. I keep talking about the importance of um, understanding both before you set out on a project like this so that you don't get caught um, unable to continue and complete the project.
1: So that's a knockdown build brand new. Yeah, I guess the next one, which we've probably moved to, which increases this, uh, this sophistication side of things, I guess, is is when you, when you actually knock down one and build two, for example, uh, if we move into that side of it, I guess.
0: Yeah, I definitely um, know it comes down to getting a deeper understanding of what the value in the land is. And, you know, for many uh, locations in inner city Brisbane, people generally know, you know, the types of properties that can be subdivided from one into two. Um, real estate agents always publish you know when they've got a splitter block for sale people know the capacity of the site because it is you know not just it's it's not hidden in that that real estate listing but as you move to other locations sometimes not even agents know what the capacity of a site is and it's up to you as the buyer to understand the land zoning but also to understand what you can actually do with that particular site. Now, sophisticated in strategies involve getting in early on the understanding that you've locked in that value in the land. Now, you may not have any intention to do anything for 15, 20 or 30 years even, but if you know you've got the capacity to subdivide in the future, that's a fantastic set and forget investment that has an additional um, upside when it comes time to either sell or redevelop in the future. And I think for a lot of investors, it gives them additional choice. Um, it comes down to understanding whether you're going to do that development or whether you're going to sell to a development to a developer in the future. Um, obviously, a house on its own lot is going to be worth less in the future than a house on its own lot that has the potential to be subdivided. And we've seen that through our own research based on um, Uh, capital growth projections for one into two splitters versus um, standalone properties where we evaluated the actual growth um, at a suburb level for all properties that met both of those criteria. So we do know that um, the growth is superior on sites that have additional development potential in the land based on our in-house research um, and finding the locations where these properties exist and holding them long term can be a really clever strategy. But equally, um, for those that have the capacity to do the development straight away it's about understanding where those developments are feasible
1: yeah now we're not going to give all the secrets away either mm-hmm. in this but that that one into two there's obviously different things involved so if it's on the if it's on two titles if it's, it has to be split things like that this is where a lot of that homework is, needs to be and you need to understand what it is I, I've seen some properties where people have said of oh, you know they've advertised they've bought a splitter and I look at the slope of the land and go oh my god I probably wouldn't go near that, but you know you need to understand what's involved. Um, things like your upfront costs, as, as you mentioned there before, Melinda, um, and 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 the services and the use how that site can be used and what the impact will be on it.
0: Yeah, you don't want to buy something that de- requires <clears throat> consent from the rear neighbour to get a stormwater solution through um, in order to subdivide. That comes with risk. Now, you know, in my opinion, you want to buy a site that has certainty of Uh, the potential for the future not something that relies on someone else making a decision um, for you so yeah make sure that you if you don't understand what you're looking for you're working with professionals that do understand what you need um, because that can make or break your outcomes from a wealth a wealth creation perspective long term.
1: So I I guess as you just mentioned then so that you're in control of what you can do I mean that's the big thing you don't want to be relying on somebody else, a neighbor or anyone else that is going to have an impact on what you can actually do on that property. You wanna be in complete control to say, if I wanna do this type of strategy, I can actually do it. Mm. If it's an application to council, whatever it may be, you need to make sure that it's something that you can actually do.
0: Yeah, you don't want your development to rely on permission from others. And I think that when we're talking about the most sophisticated um, investment strategy, you are looking at those either subdivisions or redevelopment into townhouses or units. It's a strategy that um, Scott and I personally have undertaken, um, you know, knocking down um, one one site on one block just to create um, multiple units and and that's something that you know really shouldn't be um, tackled by anyone unless you are experienced because the number of professional consultants that you need uh, to engage as part of the application process to council to get development approval um, it increases proportionately depending on the size of the project Um, it's no longer just getting some plans and, you know, getting some services connected. Um, There's a lot that goes into that design phase. We talked about the design phase when we were talking about renovation. It applies even more so when the projects become larger, because you don't want to, you know, progress with the development and then find out that you're non-compliant because some of the design plans don't um, align with what the the building code requires. Yeah, I
1: think it's a whole new kettle of fish that one when we when we jump into that and and look we did a development and depending on what the market does again you've got to look at that exit strategy what is it in the future what are you trying to do what's in the area what is going to be the flavor down the track I mean we did that set of units um, where we knocked down four what they called old flats (laughs) is what they used to call them (laughs) um, and built seven units um, three story walk up Um, but again as you as you just said then the amount of consultants that you need to work with you 've got mechanical engineers hydraulic engineers engine, you know there's a list of people that you need to help you get that through so that it can actually be um, designed and built in, in accordance
0: yeah and obviously it all comes down to risk versus reward and for those investors that want to take on more risk for potentially um, higher financial reward uh, there's multiple strategies that can be utilized through property and um, you know you just need to make sure that you've got the right team to support you through that process.
1: So hopefully that helped a little bit. Um, it's just a bit, a bit of a different way to look at properties as we say, whether it's from small refurbishment, renovations, knockdowns, building units, anything basically um, to sophisticated, that sophisticated property investment as we call it. Um, it's something we do, we help with clients, we have done ourself. Um if, if it's something anyone needs um, or interested, obviously reach out to us at Streamline Property Buyers, um, as usual. I will let Melinda wrap it up today. I'll be back again next week to give you the weather update <laughs> and um, and have another chat. So it's been good talking. Uh, as, as I said, I'll let Melinda wrap it up. Enjoy your day and the rest of your week. And uh, we'll talk next week. Thanks very much. Bye for now.
0: Thanks for tuning in once again. I hope that there's been some helpful tips, at least helping you understand what you do need to consider before you tackle some of these more sophisticated investment strategies. So um, if you like what you've heard today, please don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and family. And please leave us a review. We'd love to get your feedback on on what you like about um, the the weekly updates that we provide. Until next week, we will um, enjoy. Until next week, you enjoy your week and we will speak to you again then. Bye for now.